What the truck? I'm Dooner here with Michael Vincent, the dude otherwise known as the errant elf skinned Dewberry. <laughs> Very nice. Thank, thank you, my uh, my my good friend, my my uh, paunchy ill breeding lout. <laughs> oh, all right, you're killing me with the Shakespearean insults right now. Hey, you know who wasn't getting insulted? So my parents are in town. I was filming that Freightways Insiders with my dad. Thank you, Billy, for for helping us facilitate that. That's going to come out, I think, either Friday or Monday, whenever it's edited together. It's a yeah. great interview at my place. But they brought their Shiba Inu into town. And I think we have a few pictures here. But this dog is like the biggest celebrity in Chattanooga right now. We went out to State of Confusion. And I kid you not, we walk in there to the outdoor seating. Yeah. And people started chanting, Doge, Doge, Doge. <laughs> people like running over wanting to take pictures with this dog hold them up awesome. throw it up on their instagram the dog's over big time that is awesome well that's a, it's a beautiful dog yeah there's wish, a uh, if there's wish, a is there any animal in in chattanooga or tennessee you'd really like to have your picture taken in tennessee. with <laughs> yeah, yeah. well i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the uh the wampus cat of uh northeastern tennessee now what is that so it's apparently it's a half cat half woman that uh you know it, it attacks animals and stuff like that like el chupacabra kind of oh. thing but it also kidnaps children and it'll attack humans and stuff oh, um, yeah it's kind of a scary thing it's um you know well, I, I mean i'd settle for a liger or a pegasus it's in knoxville you said Knoxville, Tennessee, okay. University of Tennessee in Knoxville has seen has hey, several sightings. Their mayor is WWE wrestler Kane. WWE Ooh. Hall of Famer Kane, actually, who just entered in the Hall of Fame. All right, well, that's enough getting upstaged by an animal. Today, we are talking, <laughs> we're looking at routing and uh, visibility for final mile, yeah. drayage and over-the-road trucking, with more loads going shorter distances and drivers having to deal with more stops. How do we crack the code of the traveling salesman problem and apply it to freight. I'm sure you always had that. You had sales calls here, 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 and there. How do you do the math? What's the best route? How do you get there? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Now with Final Mile, same issue, same issue. More and more stops, making this more and more of a challenge. Plus, we're going to talk about building a company with business alchemy. That sounds fun. From restaurant tech to freight tech, we're going to talk about how ghost kitchens are turning Uber Eats into a streaming app for food. It's really interesting what's going on in this space, Michael Vincent. Uh, We'll talk about that NIMBY problem with trucking, the great garden gnome shortage, and a preview for our Net Zero Carbon Summit coming up tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to live.freightwaves.com to register. You know what? You can win yourself a Cannondale bike, and you can start offsetting your carbon footprint all by yourself. Wow, a Cannondale bike we're giving away? Cannondale bike. Sweet. Yeah, bikes aren't when easy is that? to find. That's tomorrow, either. right? We're doing yeah. that tomorrow? Bikes aren't Sight. easy to find. Love it. No, they're not. <laughs> Before we get there, let's tip Ask the Wayne band, Craig. though. This episode is brought to you by Redwood Logistics, a leading logistics platform company, has provided solutions for moving and managing freight for more than 20 years. The company's diverse portfolio includes digital freight brokerage, flexible freight management, and innovative platinum platform services such as El Pass <laughs> and Redwood Connect that fill the gaps between logistics and technology. Contact Redwood at Tell em, Dude. RedwoodLogistics.com immediately after the show. Headlines. Get over here. Dude, so if you go on YouTube right now, they have the first five minutes of the new Mortal Kombat movie playing, by the way. Oh, they do? Yeah. It's uh, got Sub-Zero going against Reptile. Okay. Crazy stuff. All right. 
Speaking of Mortal Kombat, here we got our own battle percolating here. I, I kind of love this little <laughs> caddy back and forth going on with the railroads. So yeah. CN Kansas City Southern merger would target competition from trucks. Joanna Marsh, Joanna Marsh, she has a report on this. She's talking about this merger between Canadian Railway CN and Kansas City Southern, how it would create a formidable opponent for what should be the industry's largest threat, long-haul trucking. And if you guys aren't familiar with this, there's sort of an equation used by most routing managers and most routing guides of when you go intermodal versus when you go over the road. Yeah. It tends to do with the cost of freight, the cost of diesel. Basically, trucking has to be pretty expensive for you to go rail because you're losing out on time and those kind of things. Yeah, it's a service equation as well. Yeah. There's a service equation, right? Well, CN President and CEO J.J. Roust, he sees this, right? He sees this merger as a way to drop the level of that equation, make it cheaper, right? And make that, make it much more economical and smarter to do it. He says, what's really missing in North America at this point is a true North-South railroad that can really rival a truck. Yeah, absolutely. CN sees $8 billion in market opportunities post-merger, including a $6 billion truck addressable market with rapid future growth resulting from the reshoring. We talked about the reshoring that's going on there. So he sees growth in the reshoring in the trade agreement between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, the new and improved NAFTA. According to Ruist and the CN's, and CN's PowerPoint presentation, CN's $33.7 billion cash and stock offer to acquire KSC Comes less than a month after KSC and Canadian Pacific said that CP was seeking to acquire KS for $29 billion. The new CP-KSC railroad pending regulatory and shareholder approval would be named CPKC. Hey, I got to give a shout out to Feliciano Sanchez. He says, good morning to the What the Truck folks, the coolest podcast in supply chain. First time commenting. Right. Long time fan. Thank you so much for joining us. Kawana Carter is here as well. Hello, Kawana. Uh, let's get back into it. CN said uh, it, it is a better partner and is importing is putting forth the better bid in its offer to acquire KCS in part because its bid doesn't need CN shareholder approval, unlike CP's bid. Should the offer proceed, CN expects the as the Surface Transportation Board to complete the review of its merger by the second half of 2022. So still not resolved. They're fighting over it. It's like uh, it's like uh, in 90210, Dylan and Brenda. And um, well, <laughs> yeah, well, it's more it's, well. It's Canadian Pacific and Canadian National, right? Yeah. So they're 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 kind of discussing. Will they actually fight their Canadians? Yeah. They'll actually kind of just discuss. Right? Yeah. I mean, well, they're very apologetic, and we'll see. Anyway, we'll so see. You're gonna pick Brenda. You're gonna pick Kelly. I don't know. Let's ask Dylan. Trans-Pacific contract rate slip from peak, but they're still historic. So Greg Miller. He says, finally, a bit of good news here, or at least less bad news for beleaguered U.S. importers. Mm. The latest data shows a moderate retreat in the year-on-year increases in long-term contract rates. Sounds good. Annual contracts in the U.S. market are generally concluded by June. As of Tuesday, Zanetta pegged the average long-term contract rates from Asia West Coast cargo at 2030 per 40, up 33% from a year ago. Wait, what? Yeah, that's cheap, dude. I thought it's, the, I thought, it sounds bad. It right. sounds bad. But during a presentation a month ago, you got to remember, on March 23rd, the number was much, much worse. Zanetta listed the day's average Asia West Coast rate at 2,640 per F for 40-foot equivalent, up 50% a year. Wow. A year. So it's just less 
incredibly expensive. Zanetta CEO Patrick Berglund also displayed Zanetta's data for the evolution of long-term contract rates over the past three months. This this data set confirmed the easing of the rates from early 2021 highs for Asia West Coast down 22% compared to 90 days ago for Asia East Coast down only 18%. Yeah, Berglund said during this market update on Tuesday, this is a quote from him, he says, even though we see this plateau in short-term rates, the market dynamics don't really support a massive drop. Maybe there will be a slower drop-off in Q3 or Q4. It remains to be seen, especially given that carriers have proven they're far more savvy to adjusting capacity demand. So he says, you know what, they may be going down, but carriers are going to pull all every trick out of the book to blank sailings, to, to shift capacity around, and to, to protect their rates. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you check out the chart that uh, our own Henry Byers put out on LinkedIn, and you'll see that TEUs coming into the U.S. The imports coming up is just spiking and spiking yeah. and spiking. I don't see any way they go. I from don't here. see it dropping. Cannabis logistics smoking hot. Yesterday was 420. Did you know how 420 got to be a thing? Uh, yeah, because I uh, I looked it up. Okay. Well, you, you got to lie more on TV. I know. Tell me. <laughs> According to Wick, see, you got to yeah, you got to be the dude on air, not that dude who's actually doing research behind there. According to Wikipedia, in 1971, five high school students in San Rafael, California, used the term 420 in connection with the plan to search for an abandoned cannabis crop based on a treasure map made by the grower. The group of kids, they were called the Waldos. The Waldos referred to this plan with the phrase 420 Lewis. And uh, they'd also meet at 4.20 p.m. to smoke marijuana together and confer and convene on how they would go about finding. This is like us trying to find uh, Curly's gold or or what was it? Uh, Rock and roll (laughs) J. 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 Who was the guy who buried the gold last year? Oh, oh, last year. We called him Curly. Yeah, yeah. Arkansas Yeah, he buried it. Yeah. Well, the story got popularized in High Times in 1991 and also by (laughs) Grateful Dead bassist Phil Leash. So a little history for you. Next time you're doing a little bar trivia, get vaccinated, get back in the bars, do a little bar trivia. Let's bring it back. Bring the people together. November 8th to 10th right here, Chattanooga, F3. Go to live.freightwaves.com. Use promo code WTT. You'll save yourself 200 bucks. Right? Brian Street reports for one full year, cannabis sales reached $20 billion, increasing 50% year over year, according to Politico, and can reach $30 billion in sales by 2025. Much of that increase is taking place through e-commerce, just like everything else with online orders and fulfillment platform Ducci seeing a 700% surge in online orders between <laughs> March and August 2020 alone. <laughs> the phrase was uh, 420 Louis that yeah. we used. It wasn't Louis. We used Louis. Oh, okay. I was the fifth uh, Beatle. Okay. On, on that. That, I was covering myself up there. And, it, and it's Dutchy past the Dutchy to the left yes, hand side. Yes, I said Dutchy. Even, even as cannabis sales soared, though, over issues have popped <laughs> up the biggest issues facing the industry involving the inability of cannabis companies to access traditional banks is one of the big problems yeah. there. The varying laws and regulations in the, state, in, in the various states that prevent economies of scale and require local control of sales and delivery. The, uh, so Dutchie is the one company has a platform that uh, helps address some of these uh, issues, allowing local dispensaries to utilize its technology to create an online marketplace and even leverage uh, Dutchie partner Onfleet to handle the logistics of the last mile. Oh, yeah. Logistics. Legitimate companies are getting into oh, yeah, this. Absolutely I mean, it's it's going to be huge business. Dutchie's platform accommodates state-level restrictions, too, such as limits on the number of ounces a person can buy in a single day. You can't just go in there and, give, and be like, give me 50 ounces. Like, mo- a lot of states will only allow you to get one ounce a day. Um, take a pound also, and a half. Yeah, something like that. So if you 
I don't know. If you're doing you know, more than once a day, they, you have a problem or you from, might need to bring someone with you. They went from 600 dispensaries to 2,500 during yeah. COVID. I know. It's unbelievable. It's amazing, man. It also, it also asks the customer up front if the order will be picked up at a local dispensary or a delivery items. OnFleet's co-founder and CEO, Colin Neum, said the firm saw the potential for cannabis delivery early on and has been involved in space for about seven years now. During that time, the company has perfected its logistic platform and has gained extensive experience in cannabis delivery. So if you're in that game, check it out. But now we got our first guest of the day. It is Zach Blank. He's a CEO over at Straightaway. Zach is an entrepreneur, experienced designer, and a technologist based in Portland, Oregon. As the CEO of Straightaway, Zach leads creative teams to think that the uh, most inspired results are inevitable when designing technological conflict. We'll have to ask him what that means. He's a graduate of the University of Oregon, a school whose motto translates from Latin to mean minds move mountains. It's also the campus where Animal Health was filmed and counts uh, Nike founder Phil Knight, as well as Fight Club author Chuck Baholnik among its alumni. Thank you for joining us today, Zach. Glad to be here, guys. How's it going? How'd you, how'd you like that intro, man? How you doing out there in Portland? I loved the intro. I'm feeling right at home at Oregon. Hey, what does that mean? What is so? I, I've, ever since I read this in your bio, I've been like, what does this mean? Creative, Zach leads creative teams to think that the most inspired results are inevitable when design and technology conflict. That's compelling. What does it mean, though? Yeah, I like when people fight. Good things happen when people fight. You guys were talking about the Canadians a few minutes ago <laughs> in those discussions. Yeah. But I like when people get, get a little dirty, right? So... You know, my background is really as an engineer. I've been writing code since I was a, a little kid, like nine years old writing code. And I've been dangerous with design. And so I can speak both those languages. And when I get experts in the room on both, and they really challenge each other's ideas, like, hey, this is what technology can do. Hey, this is what design can do. And let's battle that out. New things come up. And that's, that's what I mean by the most inspired results are inevitable. Very interesting. So, Zach, you're talking about like, like, like chaos, create, or the creativity of chaos, or if there's two people in a room and they both agree one's superfluous, right, type of thing. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move forward a little bit. Let's talk, about, uh, let's talk about Straightaway. Give us the elevator pitch on Straightaway. Yeah, great. So, Straightaway is a company that is dead set, dead set focused on last mile delivery and the, de- the delivery driver experience. That's what makes us different from a lot of our competitors is that we believe that if we focus on the driver and provide the tools to make their job easier, then everybody wins. So we are our platform today, mobile apps, native on Android and native on iOS for delivery drivers with many stops. You know, our typical customer are the workhorses of the industry doing 100, 200, even up to 250, 300 stops a day. And so we give them the tools to get that job done. So tell us, what enhancements to, to route planning or route planning, you say tomato, I say tomato, to straightaway provide over uh, Google Maps or other common consumer apps? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things. One, uh, first and foremost, it is the ability to route the number of stops that we offer, right? We can, with the flip of a switch, go up to 500, 1,000, 2,000 stops, uh, but no driver can actually do that in a day. Now, when you get into vehicle routing versus just route optimization, like I was talking about, then you can. The difference there is one driver's got 100 stops versus we've got 10 drivers and we've got 1,000 stops. How do we divvy that up between our entire fleet? So what's different is scale and most importantly all of the different inputs we take into account so we take in live and predictive traffic for example we take in weather road closures the driver network everyone else on the road to always be feeding the most efficient route to the driver so much so that you know we give you an optimized we give drivers an optimized route at the beginning of the day what happens conditions change 
you push that to the driver and say, hey, you used to have the most optimized route. Here's some changes. We're going to be able to save you 10 minutes. And you know, those 10 minutes add up and make a big difference in the day. They certainly do. So does this, so you're talking about this, it, it's a, it's adapting and changing things as maybe, does it involve pickups as well? So could you use this on a pickup and delivery type of thing where the, the pickups would change those routes as well? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said before, before, most of our customers are, you know, those workhorses of the industry. They work at places like FedEx and UPS, USPS, and so on. If you go down that spectrum and think about all the different industry that, that we service in the middle of there, uh, are people like dry cleaners who've had to adapt a lot to COVID like we all have. And they're now saying, well, if I want to keep stay in business, I've got to do pickup and delivery. And so we've got those guys on the road all over the country and they're figuring out how to do pickup and delivery of clothes, for example, for, you know, 60, 80 different houses a day. And they have zero experience in logistics before. So it's going from zero to 60 overnight, and that's where we've really excelled and helped them transform their business. Hey, produce season is heating up. That must be a focus for your team. What kind of enhancements do you provide there? Yeah, shout out to the produce industry podcast that I was on yesterday talking about this. So it's, it's fresh in mind. Um, you know, a big customer of ours are CSAs, which is super interesting. Um, you know, funny story about that. We have a CSA who delivered to our house and they always dropped it off at like 8 p.m. And so I went out one, one night and I said, guys, you guys have terrible routes that you're not here until 8 p.m. And they said, no, 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 you're our first stop of the route. We deliver at night so that all the produce stays cold throughout the night in our car and on your door. And I love getting those customer stories where it's like, oh, man, you had one assumption. Then you actually talk to the driver, talk to the customer and understand it's a way different business. And that's, that's one thing that's really struck me about straightaway since I've been leading this team is that because we service so many different industries, it's so different, like how, how different people look at logistics and the problems that they face. Sure, you can sum it up and we've got a bunch of stops to make. But when you dig in and you go to those different use cases and understand it's incredibly hard to build one platform to service all these very, very different use cases. So Zach, you've started several different companies now, as we've we've read in your in your bio and, yeah. and on LinkedIn. What makes Straightaway different? That's a big question. <laughs> uh, I've I've started several different for better or worse. Um, I've had a lot of attempts in the product space. Most of my experience is in the product space. Straightaway is the first successful business that I've started in uh, the product space, and I want to put a big fat asterisk around successful because we've got a long way to go. The business before this was an agency, right? We built digital products for other people. And that's a cool business. It's a different business. In a lot of ways, it's grueling. It's terrible margins. Um, clients are, are tough. Um, and it's not the type of business I would ever start again. So I'm a product guy. I love product. Product is harder in every way. Um, it's longer to get profitable. That's the biggest difference, right? You start a services business. It's almost on day one. You get a client, hey, you're profitable, and you keep running. Product is not like that. Like strap it in, you're going to go five years, see profit at least, especially now in the venture space. Uh, it's a different beast. 
What I like about this is that a lot of times tech is brought in, it's brought into trucks, delivery vehicles, and it seems kind of intrusive. But as every delivery person knows, especially a lot that are paid by delivery, the more deliveries they can make, the less time they spend sitting, the less time they spend in traffic, the less time they spend um, you know, driving, they, there's, the straighter the line that you can make for them, the more money they make. So I imagine the reception to this has to be pretty good on both uh, the user and the purchaser's end. Yeah, it's a complicated question, actually, and it's one we think about a lot because we see a lot of headlines over the last couple of months about Amazon delivery drivers in particular. And I'm not trying to hate on Amazon or those drivers at all, but we see the press, right? And it's not just Amazon. Those guys have a hard job. They're already pushed to the max where, and with COVID, and these are the headlines, it's like public spaces aren't even open to go to the bathroom. So one, they're busy. They're busier than ever before. And the world has just shifted and it's, it's a confusing job and it's hard to do. So while we can optimize routes to say, hey, you've got 100 stops and we're going to be able to optimize it so you can do 120, we're actually looking at it a little bit differently to say, hey, you've got 100. Let's keep that capacity fixed and let's instead of you doing it in 12 hours, let's get you done in 11 hours and bring you back the next day refreshed. And you know, one thing I'll tease out a little bit about our tech is how do you then use that excess capacity in a way to increase your margin? So not necessarily just saying, hey, we're going to throw more packages on your route, more deliveries on your route, but use it in a more creative way to service other areas of your business. And that's what we're really diving into with our tech right now. Excellent. Zach, so uh, Zach Duner, now that we've got the pleasantries out of the way, how about if I spin the wheel of stupid <laughs> Yeah, before questions? we let him go, spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. We can right, let him go without Zach. that. It's like uh, going on a game show and not leaving without a parting gift. Like <laughs> That's exactly or something. It. Here it is. All right. All right. What do you got for him? All right, Zach. During the apocalypse, would it be better to live on your own or in a community? Ooh. Huh. I mean, I, I was a big fan of Walking Dead. <laughs> it seems like community, right? I, I, it would be hard on your own, right? Well, um, yeah. I am legend, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. You would not amend yourself, really. Be tough. Yeah. Be tough. It would be tough. You'd have I'm to, going like, community. Yeah, yeah going I'm going community, community too. That's a smart pick. I think I'm it's a smart you. pick. Some I'm good communities yeah. over there in Portland. Yeah. People who want to join your community, how do they uh, How do they connect and how do they find out about the company? Find me on LinkedIn or go to getstraightaway.com. Beautiful. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us today, Zach. Thanks, guys. Appreciate talk- it. Take care. Know what we're going to be talking about now? We're going to be talking to Andrew Wallace. He's CEO and founder of the School of Business Alchemy. That sounds super cool. Yeah. Sounds super Harry Potter to me. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's bring Andrew Wallace on the air. Andrew, hello, welcome to the show. I believe you're over in the United Kingdom, if we're not mistaken. I am. I'm I'm sitting in London right now. Thank you for having me on the show. Now you have an interesting bio going on here. You've worked for major companies, but you're also talking about like wizards and alchemy and all of this kind <laughs> of stuff. I love this stuff. So bring us into your Hogwarts of business and give us a little intro on yourself. Okay, well, I think it's time to bring back a little bit of magic. So I work with lots of different businesses. Uh, There's no particular genre or spectrum. And it's really looking at the business from a different perspective and saying the business is here, wherever we are. How do we transform it into something else? Alchemy is taking one thing and transforming it into something else. So a a lot of what I teach, a lot of what I talk about feels like magic, but actually it's also quite ordinary as well. It's how do we create the magic out of the ordinary building blocks of life? Very, very interesting. So uh, 
I, I love the subject. So how do so how do I unlock my inner wizard? Yeah, help him out, please. Help me out. I need to unlock my <laughs> inner that's wizard. A, that's a great question. You've definitely got an inner wizard. It's very beautiful, if I may say so. Thank you. So what I talk about, I start whenever I talk to a business, I start with intention, and I just think, just reflect for a moment on intention, because all of us in business, we spend hundreds of hours rearranging the furniture of the outer world. We talk about business plans. We talk about financial plans. We talk about strategy. We talk about marketing. All of that is the outer furniture. And what I've been saying for the last 10, 15 years is nothing in the universe exists without intention. So Amazon doesn't exist without intention. Apple doesn't exist. What the truck doesn't exist. The clothes you're wearing, the car you're driving, nothing exists without intention. So it starts with intention. Intention is the seed of all reality. I call intention the DNA of all reality. So rather than start with the outer furniture of the business, we start, you talked about your inner wizard, you start with intention, which is the inner seed. It's the inner reality. You know, somebody had the idea and sat around and thought about creating Apple. The same thing with Amazon, the same thing with every company, every business that exists. So we need to start with the intention and really clarify and spend time reflecting on what our intention is. And then the second thing we do, I talk about alignment. So we create an alignment with that intention to create the outer reality that we want to create. And that sounds to some people like magic. It sounds like Hogwarts, but actually it's very straightforward and it's rooted within the scientific community. Science has been telling us for, for, for decades now that outer reality is seen through our own inner perception. We have a filter and we have a projector. And, and this is basic science. So instead of worrying about the outer reality, let's start with the inner reality. Does that make sense? It, it does. Yeah. And Andrew, I kind of, I almost experienced this. I used to be a very cynical alcoholic in my earlier days in this yeah. business. And I couldn't cast spells. I couldn't transform hay into gold or any of that, or poison into water or any of that kind of stuff. I got sober. I started focusing on the positive. I started looking for opportunities. And it almost felt like magic because I started gravitating towards much more positive outcomes. Then when you're cynical, you start gravitating towards negative things because you want to validate the reality around you. So you have to change how you perceive that reality, correct? Exactly. And that's a really good example because most of us experience days when we, we wake up, we feel negative, we feel cynical. And guess what? We go about our day and we create a lot of negativity. We create a lot of conflict or we, we have a disappointing day. If you wake up and you feel enthusiastic, you feel positive, you feel, you know, I can make things happen, then the opposite occurs. And, you know, it, it wasn't a magician or a wizard, or maybe it was, but Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. And, and that goes an awful long way. If you, if you operate from an inner belief, actually, this is going to be hard work, it will be. If you start from a place, I'm going to make this happen, I'm going to find a way to make this happen, you will. And so that's a very simplistic way of talking about what you're talking about. You know, if you're enthusiastic, if you create the intention that I want to make a better business, I want to make a better margin, whatever it is, and you then start to align that, guess what? It'll begin to happen. Instead of thinking of all the reasons why it can't happen, 
you know, looking at the outer obstacles instead of actually working from the inside out. And one of the analogies I use, which is a, a little bit shocking in a way, but it gets people's attention. The way we run our lives, the way we run our business, it's a little bit like sitting in the cinema, watching a film, Gone with the Wind or whatever. My wife tells me my, my films are a little bit out of date. But you're watching a film <laughs> and you, you get to a part in the film that you don't like or you want to change it. And you jump out of your seat, you go up to the screen and you try to change the dialogue. You change the, the characters. If someone was watching us, they would arrest us and put us in a psychiatric unit. But that's how we're running our life. But that's how we're running our businesses. If instead we quietly got out of our seat, we went up to the projector room, we took the film out behind the projector and we put a different film in, you'd get a different picture on the screen. And that's how intention works. That's how magic is created. It's exactly what you're talking about in that shift from when you were you know, in active addiction to actually creating a different world. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it, it's not easy, but it's that simple. That's the shift you have to make if you want to create a different business. Instead of running around like headless chickens, trying to change all the outer furniture. That's really interesting. And, and you talk about, yeah, I, I want to get into what, is, what does the mean? What do you mean by balancing the outer world of achievement and the inner world of fulfillment? Uh, yeah. I think I have an idea. And you think that the problem there is kind of our society we we force from a young age to kind of rearrange your outside before you figure out your inside you know it's it's chicken and egg because we we all grow up in a family we grow up in a society and yet at the same time we create that society right now we're creating the kind of society we want to be in And, and essentially what i say there's only two components to life and it doesn't matter what we call them i call them achievement and fulfillment And achievement is to do with the outer world. And achievement is we can build a business worth $2 billion. We can win gold medals. We can write a best-selling book. We can create the best trucking company that's ever existed. That's all achievement. And achievement has its merit, and we need to have a sense of achievement. Fulfillment is really about inner satisfaction. It's about inner contentment. It's about feeling at peace within ourselves. And it's a very well-trodden pathway. I, I, I've worked with people with billion of dollars in the bank or people who've had bestsellers. And sooner or later, they hit that emptiness. They hit a feeling of emptiness. W- what's it all about? What have I actually achieved? And then they turn inward and they go to a, a sense of fulfillment. And what I say is, is right now in the cultures we've created, we're just out of balance. 95% of our energy goes into achievement. You know, if you talk to kids in schools, they start exams very early. It's all about getting the right grades. It's all about this huge emphasis on achievement. When I went to school, we didn't spend 50% of the time talking about friendship, talking about relationship, talking about love, talking about, um, you know, um, collaboration, uh, talking about fulfillment. We talked about achievement, exams, 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 getting up the ladder. There's nothing wrong with achievement. Achievement is great. But we need to have a balance between achievement and fulfillment, the outer world and the inner world, because most of us have had the experience of getting the next high and then feeling that inner emptiness, whether it's at three o'clock in the morning or nine o'clock in the morning, it doesn't matter. It's about balance. Andrew, this is this has been absolutely fascinating and you're speaking my language and I firmly believe so much of what you're saying. And it takes a level of maturity and takes some time to really 
understand these things and get past some of that yep. cynicism and all that societal training, especially here in America. I'm sure you, the UK has its own hangups too, but people who want to learn Same more thing. and they want to get more information from you, and I think they should, where should we send them to? Uh, Andrew at andrewwallace.org, O-R-G. Andrew at andrewwallace.org. Andrew, you have been an absolute pleasure on the show. We'd love to have you back sometime. Thank uh, you so much for, uh, for joining please us. Please do. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Take care. Wow. Absolutely love it. I could spend all day talking to him. I loved his voice, too. So I could have all well, day. yeah, his, his voice uh, lends yeah. itself to tell, telling stories and information. Very good. But, but I love the, the topic. When you, were, when you were younger, right? Like, yeah. I, don't, I had this problem where, like, I don't know if it's societal machismo or that kind of thing, but someone so, starts talking to you about magic and using the mat and unlocking the inner self, and you're just like, oh, what is this BS, right? Yeah, it sounded like a bunch of touchy-feely BS yeah. is what it did, but it's so true. And you subscribe to it, you start doing it, and you're like, Wait a minute. You know what? It, and it makes sense when you it think about certainly it. It's does. so it's so subconscious. Well, now we have another another great guest and a regular on many of our shows. It's Brian Kempesty. He's the founder at Port X Logistics. A lot of all these container cargo volumes we we're talking about. Well, right more on. container cargo, more drayage problems. He is uh, from Canassus College. Also, he's the home of another. I know I've been bringing up a lot of wrestlers, but he also has a wrestling alum that went there. WWE Hall of Famer. I wonder Beth. why. Phoenix. <laughs> I might be a little bit of a fan. Brian, thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you guys? Hey, I love the picture. What's uh, what's hanging on your wall behind you? Uh, that That is an elk um, painted here by a local artist in Bozeman, Montana, Tara Banks. It was uh, added a little color to the office. I like it. I dig it too. A, a nice pick. And, and I, li- I like that you got a plug in for uh, for the artist as well. We love supporting that yeah. community. A lot of challenge. We kind of let in, and in your leader, we we're talking about the drayage capacity challenge that are going on, container shortages, chassis shortages, all that kind of stuff. So what are the challenges that shippers and brokers and carriers are facing as we move through 2021 right now in that drayage space? Yeah, it's just volume, 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 right? We're, we're seeing continued West Coast volume. Um, so whether it be Seattle, Oakland, or Los Angeles, and now everybody's trying to diversify their supply chain. So they're using more uh, all water to the East Coast, like um, Norfolk and Savannah. Um, and now just today, they announced they're going to be starting to use the Gulf Coast, too. Um, but all of these different ports aren't set up for this additional volume. So whether there's going to be chassis availability, uh, rail capacity, um, you name it, there's going to be just uh, a shortage of of equipment overall. And one of the things I always talk about is real estate, right? If there's no place to park the stuff, what do you do? And uh, many markets are, are in a real estate crunch right now. Yeah, they really are. You talk about that port dwell or street dwell at the ports, uh, trying to move that stuff. And real estate is a big problem with that. You mentioned before that the Southeast is going to uh, be a big challenge for Q2 of 2021. Why is the Southeast such a big challenge? Why will it be? Well, I think specifically in, in quarter two, um, you, you know, like I mentioned, um, there's more all water service going into Norfolk and going into um, Savannah. But in addition, um, Vidalia onion season, I think, started on the 19th, maybe on Monday. That's when they start shipping onions. And then you've got, you know, different melons and produce season, which is soaking up a lot of that capacity. And maybe it's not necessarily drayage capacity, but on longer haul shipments that you have to do drayage and transloading and over the road trucking on. The over-the-road trucking component is is being sucked up by the uh, by the produce season. So, um, just a variety of things happening there in the southeast, and that's pretty much an every year thing. You know, people are like, "Oh, what happened in May? Why is there no capacity?" Well, it's the same thing every year, um, but it's Q2 
seems to you know keep people off guard um, and they get surprised by it every single year. Brian, online ocean tracking has, you know, for a long time, it was it was terrible. It, it may still be terrible. I haven't looked up and, and I haven't looked up a bill <laughs> yeah. of lading in a while. But I remember you you kind of have no idea. You'd have no visibility when it, was, when it was on the water. You get an arrival notice. You know, it's going to be in maybe within 72 hours. And then, you know, you start actually getting inland visibility once the broker starts filing the documents and all of that stuff. How do, how, how do we get to 100% visibility there? And how is Port X helping? Yeah, that is a definite bingo, Dooner. That is what we call a bingo at Port X because that is on our radar. We're releasing something either third or fourth quarter. Right now, we ask freight forwarders or BCOs, you know, to give us the information prior to the cargo arriving so we can start tracking that vessel, allocating equipment. And it's a, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. Um, many systems for customs brokers don't allow you to issue a delivery order until they get an arrival notice from the steamship line. Basically what that boils down to is the trucker doesn't get noticed till the vessel has already arrived and then there's no capacity left. So what we're doing and offering customers now um, is we will track the vessel on their behalf and update our system, manual process, um, but we're building an API through our um, operating system, Turvo, that is going to allow the vessel and the ocean freight to be tracked on our site. So I believe we're going to be one of the only truckers in the marketplace that can track cargo while on the ocean, on the vessel, through the terminal, through transload, and through final delivery. So if when if and when we accomplish that, whoever you are, BCO or a freight forwarder, it behooves them to give us the information up front because they're we're doing their job for them. Um, and we're working on building that API out right now. And we're super excited um, to roll that out in third or fourth quarter. We think it's going to make us more effective on allocating capacity um, and just give us a leg up on the overall marketplace. We don't know of another trucking company that's going to have capability to do that. That's tremendous stuff, Brian. Can you speak to some of the challenges that are there? When I ran container freight stations, best we could do is a good, solid guess of how many containers were in the port of Miami waiting to come into our CFS, right? Uh, as far as what was going to be there until it arrived, I couldn't tell you, right? I didn't know how many were going to clear customs. Talk about those challenges in providing that that uh, visibility. Yeah, well, we still have some of those challenges. We know what we're going to get, right? Because yeah. our customers are issuing us that cargo, how much else is out there in the marketplace? You don't always know, but, um, you know, plug for freight waves. We use sonar and with freight wave sonar, we can see the number of shipments exiting uh, Shanghai today for Savannah, for example. So we know in approximately 35 days how much freight from Asia we're expecting into Savannah. So we can kind of see those peaks and valleys coming, so we have a little bit more insight, um, and that just allows our, us to give our customers some proactive information, so they can say, "Okay, this is going to be a really busy week. Let me make sure I've got all of my hot containers dispatched, or get us that information ahead of time, so we can allocate, you know, drivers, chassis, uh, and real estate um, to put all their their cargo." What what can you do in a in a sort of a I'm not going to call it black swan because it's happened before the port of West Coast tends to get clogged because so much freight yeah. comes over there. But right now, like yesterday, 22 ships at anchor, 22 21 ships at anchor right now. That's going to make it a little bit more of a challenge. Is there anything we can do to mitigate that kind of thing? Like shippers are just freaking out. On our end, we don't know what to do. Yeah. Right, we're just trying to be as proactive as possible 
and, um, you know, allocate the, you know, I call them last minute Lucy's, right? If you're a last minute Lucy and you say, hey, last free day is tomorrow. You think you can get this? I mean, we have to allocate capacity and resources to the people that played by the rules and gave us two weeks notice. And those those people that are proactively planning, they're the ones that are going to get the equipment. They're the ones that are going to tamp down soft costs, avoid demurrage and not get yelled at from their, their CFO and their budgeting department. So we just talk about planning, planning and planning and then try to allocate that equipment uh, as best as we can. I love it because there's only so much you can do, but that doesn't mean you can't do anything. The worst thing you can do is doing nothing, even in a crisis yeah, situation yes. like that. You can still get the information together. You're going to get the visibility as soon as it is available. You know, that may yeah. still be a little bit of an unknown, but once it's in there, you're going to have it, get ahead of it, be proactive. The, the, the proactive and the efficient one wins out in supply chain. Brian, this is all great stuff. And I, I know we're going to see you at F3, right? November 8th to 10th, right here in downtown Chattanooga. You, you, you bet. Yeah. It's going to be the spot, man. For those of you who want to join us, go to live.freightwaves.com, put in promo code WTT. We'll save you 200 bucks. But before you do that, you should go check out Port X Logistics site. So where should we send them to? Um, the, the best place is to go. We, we update uh, we, in, uh, industry info quite often on our blog, which is uh, www.portxlogistics.com. And we're putting daily content out on our LinkedIn page. So the Port X LinkedIn page, uh, lots of great content. Um, you know, about planning, about different markets, uh, about ideas and how to diversify in, this, in the uh, drainage marketplace. Brian, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. All right, guys. Have a great day. Take care. Thanks, Brian. A couple of people in the comments section showing up now. Oh, you know, a lot of people were talking about that, that business alchemy segment, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Carey also used to finally hear catching on What the Truck Wednesday. Good afternoon, FreightWaves team. Always. And for those of you who don't catch this live, they're all on demand. You know, we post these a couple hours later, FreightWaves.com. They're on podcast players everywhere. Actually, we are. Excuse me? I don't know. I don't know. So it wasn't me. What was that? I, I was hearing an echo right there. Well, um, <laughs> you can find these on podcast players everywhere and all of that good stuff on the Freightways TV app. That was distracting. No, it sounded like someone said, get me a beer, Esther. I don't know. What was that? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, Ron is here as well. Hello, everybody. Let's just move on to Daryl T-Bone Pickens. He's the president and founder of Relay On Demand. Daryl, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks. Uh, no relation to T-Bone, though. I wish. <laughs> I was going to say, is that really his name? Hey, you know, I was looking at your background, and one of my passions is uh, fast food, and you used to work at Taco Bell Corporate. Do oh. you know why they took away Mexican pizza? Uh, you know, the menu changes all the time, and it wasn't one of the popular sellers. Um, Taco Bell is all about innovation, and that's where I kind of cut my teeth on innovation. And they keep changing it, man. They keep it, they keep it going. Yeah, I was looking at I was looking at that and I saw that you dealt with fast food equipment uh and even robotics, yeah. right? Can you talk about that space a little bit? What was that what were that was that like? And how yeah, how'd that lead to where you are now? Yeah, and how does that get you into logistics? <laughs> I know, right? So um first I was born the son of a truck driver, so trucking is literally in my blood. Hey, little cow. Um, <laughs> grew up uh, you know, riding um in my daddy's lap holding a steering wheel going down the road. You can't do that nowadays, but, you know, <laughs> good times as a kid. Um, I'm an engineer by degree, though, and my passion is engineering. That's how I ended up in the food space when I graduated uh, from Cal Poly Pomona. And it's all about innovation and pushing the envelope to do more, how to create um, better products with Taco Bell. Um, and at the same time, uh, when I left Taco Bell, it was I saw the kind of forefront of robotics. and 
you know, a kitchen is really a miniature manufacturing plant. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I started Kitchen Robotics, which was a company all about helping restaurants integrate um, robot assist, um, not replacing people, but assisting um, in that. And um, at the same time, uh, I was running a trucking company that um, I started in the last recession in 2008 to help out a lot of my family members, um, just with the expertise of running a business. And I saw the uh, need for innovation in the trucking industry more than anywhere else. Um, there's just um, so much uh, innovation that needs to happen and is happening finally today. And that's why I kind of came up with the idea of Relay, yeah, which well, is all well about... Let's get into it. We'll, yeah. we'll jump into it. So, but I, the one thing I want to mention is, is you mentioned it's it's great how you start looking for efficiency. You start finding anywhere, use your experience. Like I've just been learning a lot about ghost kitchens and you talk about factories and, and like white labeling things. What's happening with ghost kitchens is, is very, very exciting, but what is relay on demand and what's your why behind founding the company? Sure. So relay on demand is a driver share network. So it's a platform that connects truck drivers who don't own their own trucks with trucking companies who need drivers to move their trucks, either to do a pickup, a delivery, or a full run on demand, or you can schedule drivers and create your own preferred network of drivers within the driver share network. And so the why behind it came when I was a CEO of our trucking company. And, you know, we were constantly struggling with finding drivers. And as I interviewed drivers, I kept hearing the same thing, which was, you know, the question I would ask, well, why are you leaving your current position or why did you leave your last position? And the number one answer I got was freedom. They didn't have the flexibility to choose the runs they wanted when they wanted to be uh, at home. You know, dispatch would tell them, hey, I know uh, you need to be home, but I need you to do this one stop and then I'll route you home. And you miss your daughter's, you know, recital or your boy's soccer game or something like that. Um, and so and then growing up as a son of a truck driver, I, I knew the pain of missing uh, Christmases and birthdays and what that would mean. And so the light bulb went on. I said, wouldn't it be cool if I could just get a driver um, like Uber <laughs> from my smartphone to show up to one of my trucks? And sure enough, I had a customer one day call, said, hey, I need a driver. I need a truck. And um, I said, I have a truck in my yard, but I don't have a driver. All my drivers are done. And so that's when the light bulb moment happened. And ever since, we kind of put together and now Relay's growing. So, Daryl, Daryl, I, I, and I read that on your website, and it comes across very clear where your motivations are from, from your dad. I was going to ask you about that, you know, growing up as a kid of a judge. How exactly does this differentiate from, like, Uber Freight and, and the others out there? Yeah, so Uber Freight, right, or Convoy, they're digital freight brokers, right? So they're all about matching trucking companies with uh, shippers who have freight to move. Relay is kind of the next leg in that uh, logistics chains. We're all about matching truck drivers who don't own their own truck with the carrier to move the freight that they're booking with Uber Freight or Convoy or something like that. Oh, interesting. So it's a, it's just a perspective shift and, and kind of a user shift. So your jumping off point, your foundation point is a bit different. Well, it's, you've, I think you've been around for a couple of years now. How are you funding and building the company? Yeah, so we bootstrapped from uh, day one. And um, for the first year and a half, uh, we've just, you know, really created the right business model to become profitable as of last January. Um, we're expanding nationally. So we decided to bring in our truck drivers, our carriers and others through a crowd investing platform on Republic. 
that actually closes today. So if you want to get in, today's the last day. Um, and so we're leveraging that, um, that, and we're so excited about that because we built over a, a thousand investors now um, through Republic, truck drivers, um, trucking uh, carriers, all part of the network and others. Um, it's just been amazing. And uh, I, I love what we're doing and, and, and that's where our funding is going forward. We're all about the crowd investing. Well, let us ask you, because I mean, th this sounds like a lot of wins, but, uh, you know, some of the most interesting stories and the, yeah. and the biggest answers come in the losses. So what's been the hardest part of building the company so far? Yeah, the chicken and egg syndrome, right? So we're a dual-sided platform. So we have uh, trucking carriers that we need to onboard to the network for it to work, as well as drivers, um, CDLA drivers. And which one do you, you know, grow first and who do you bring on the network? And you have to have both at the same time. And so that's been our biggest, biggest challenge to date. And, um, and you know, we're continuously thinking about that and how we solve it. I, I think it's I think it's brilliant. So I'm a trucking company and I have assets and I need to have them seated temporarily, whatever it happens to be. And does it can I can I come to you to find and recruit for permanent position as well? Yeah. So um, we have several carriers who join and they build their own private network of preferred drivers within the relay uh, platform. And so these are dedicated drivers you can dispatch using our technology that we built. So on top of you know, just being able to book a driver, we have some really awesome, powerful technology that makes it all work. And so it enables drivers to, to still maintain their freedom and flexibility, but still be dedicated with certain carriers and earn the, the, the lifestyle and the financial rewards they're looking for. So what kind of feedback are you getting so far from your user base? Um, awesome feedback. <laughs> I mean, it's, um, you know, we put so much into it from, um, my trucking experience and background as a, you know, from the truck driving side, also from the carrier side. And we really built a product that works for drivers and carriers. And we're improving it every day and we're constantly adding new features and improving the technology to make it better. But the number one thing I knew we were onto something when, when we first were starting and I was able to uh, ride along with every driver in the beginning. Um, one of the drivers looked over at me when I was sitting in the passenger seat and she was scrolling through her app and looking at it and she said, you know what this is? This is freedom for us drivers. And that just was like, almost brought a tear to my eye. I said, we're, we're going to do whatever we can to bring this to the world. Awesome. Awesome. Is it time, gentlemen, for the uh, Wheel of Stupid Questions? Yeah, spin the wheel before we <laughs> let this go. <thing> <laughs> All right. Let's see what he comes that up with. Like round and round play. it goes. How stupid was like this time? One. Oh, well, I've got an even better one for you. <laughs> What's the worst experience you've ever had at a fast food restaurant? Oh. Or, maybe it was, <laughs> or maybe it was shortly after you visited one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the worst experience I ever had at a fast food place. Um, well, I'm going to have to leave Taco Bell out of it because everything was great there when of I course. was working there, right? <laughs> I mean, unless um, they're out of volcano the sauce or something, right? <laughs> The worst I had was actually when I worked. One of my first jobs was at fast food uh, when I was in high school. And I'm not going to name the company, um, but I was working the hamburger station. And uh, a very rude person came through the drive-thru and was just totally out of line. And I'm making his hamburger. And the manager comes over to me and says, hey, spit in that guy's burger. 
Wow. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. She grabbed the burger, hawked a loogie in it, wrapped it up, and gave it to the guy. Oh, no. That was, oh. that taught me at fast food, be nice to those people. And the ingredients to the special sauce. Daryl, if, <laughs> exactly. if people want the special sauce that is Relay On Demand, where should we send them to? So go to uh, RelayOnDemand.com or download the uh, app via iOS or Android. Beautiful. Hey, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Big fan of the show, guys. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. Love it. Take care. Thanks, Daryl. Oh, yeah. We forgot to ask him. But I bet he'll be at F3. Uh-oh. I thought they were calling him back for a second. I was like, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the bumper. I got tripped by my own bumper. I'm like, uh, Did he say call him back? <laughs> that is the equivalent of like when I pretend to throw like the ball to my dog and it goes and looks. I just got faked out by my own bumper. Um, ghost Kitchens. All right, so this is inside the newsletter. Every Tuesday night, What the Truck newsletter comes in 6 p.m. Eastern time. Go to freightwaves.com slash WTT to get yourself on that subscription list. We, uh, I cover whatever news I'm interested in that particular day and what's going on with the show. And all of those kind of things. And one thing that I really started getting into, and what I like about writing the newsletter, is it makes me look at some, you know, some sort of different coverages. And one thing I was yeah. looking at was Ghost Kitchens. And these got on my radar. We've had a few stories on Freightways, but I was really looking into what Mr. Beast did with the Mr. Beast burger. Yeah. Mr. Beast, um, if you don't know, your kids know, he is a huge YouTube personality. He's an entrepreneur. He's one of the biggest names in the, in the world right now. Huge celebrity. So okay. come from YouTube. Um, he, did, he, he joined up with, uh, wh what is the name of, there's a kitchen here that he joined up with. I'm, I'm virtual dining, concepts. virtual dining. Yeah. They're working with a bunch of different celebrities and they go, Hey, Mr. Beast, if you put your name on this burger, design your own burger and guess what? You can open 300 restaurants overnight. We have these things called ghost kitchens. They tie into your Postmates, your Uber Eats, your, um, Mm -hmm. Your grub hubs of yeah. the world. Yeah, yeah. And someone go on if they're in location of that ghost kitchen, they can order anything. And so what's happening with these ghost kitchens is they're not just having the beast burger, but major brands, like we reported yesterday, Nathan's is getting. I, yeah, I saw that. I love Nathan's. So it's almost turning. It's very interesting how it's going to evolve what's happening. You can see it. You can see it from a billion miles away. What's going to happen to to apps in the way fast food. And they're saying by 2030, this is going to be 50 percent of the takeout and delivery market. And it's almost becoming like a streaming service for food where it doesn't matter if there's a Taco Bell down the street or a B or Mr. Beast's house down the street to get the burger from as long as they're in this ghost kitchen. So demand to get your product within these ghost kitchens is going to skyrocket, too. It's it's a beautiful concept. I love the concept, and and it really it takes advantage of all kinds of different things with the scalability inside the kitchen, doing all these different brands. But also, you know, we talked about uh, like drone delivery or or, or AV delivery, yeah. right? Of of these things, and it doesn't make sense for like a, a chicken place to have AV delivery because they don't deliver it now, right? Pizza does, yeah, right. They have their own delivery trucks, but does chicken really have the density? Well, if they're in a ghost kitchen. They can they can take advantage of that type of stuff, right? Yeah. And, and really, the the density or the uh, the uh, the additional deliveries that that go with it. Well, I love what it creates too for how brands can use this stuff. Like, look how they're putting Mr. Beast's name on a burger. He doesn't own restaurants. He's not established in the food community. Does yeah. it matter? No, it doesn't matter. And now you can leverage these things within there, and it's going to really, really change this this restaurant space. It's fascinating to watch. There's very there's some ideas like I get excited about. I'm like, that seems like a winner. This seems like a not no, out of the this park is, winner. Yeah, this is a winner. I spoke to Andrew Cox about their own Andrew Cox about this huge. way back in the day. And he's thinking, yeah, eventually this is going to be huge. What the truck 
Mexican pizza coming near yeah. you soon. What, what food do you want out of us? We'll make you some food. I'll, you I'll get you uh, my Impossible Burger. He can make his best rack of ribs, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know that's right. <laughs> Nimbies. You ever hear of a NIMBY before? It means not in my backyard. And they taught, like in Massachusetts, they used to say this because people like in certain rich communities, they would, they would fight for all these, you know, sort of social policies, oh, but then they oh. wouldn't let people within their community. I thought you were going back to the Shakespearean insults and calling me a NIMBY. Oh, no, no. So <laughs> okay. NIMBY means not in my backyard. And this actually is happening in our backyard. This is a, uh, it's, where is this? Where is Mont Eagle? Right up where, the road. Right up the road. So they yeah. want to build, this is on top of, of one of these mountains here. There's a lot of mountains over in Tennessee if you haven't been. But they want to build a travel center of America, right? They have a few exits yeah. over there. They say, hey, we're going to bring 130 jobs. I mean, Granted, they are, you know, they're, they're not like the highest paying jobs on earth, but they're bringing 130 jobs to the community. Truckers need the parking. It's going to add a bunch of spaces. It's going to be twice the size of your regular travel oh, center. Yeah, barbershop, fitness center, driver's lounge, laundry facilities, a boat jangles. Town hates it. The town doesn't want it. They, they have a GoFundMe. They're trying to shoot this thing down. They don't want it there. They said that I, one quote I thought that was interesting from the petition was they said that the trucking community brings sex trafficking along with it, and they've already got a drug-addled community. It's like, oh, so you're, blaming, you're blaming the <laughs> We truckers? got the drugs. We don't need the sex on yeah, top of it. We already got a drug-addled community. <laughs> we don't need this sex trafficking that your riffraff's going to bring by to our already <laughs> Beth-addled area. I mean, like, what? what kind of an argument is that? You can clean up the community. Get a broom. I don't, I don't know. But I, I did hear, I looked at the mapping, and I guess one of the issues, too, is it's very close to a residential area, maybe a little too close. And would you want a giant truck stop right behind your house over there in your little community? Am I back on? I don't know. I, I'm I sorry about you. that. I lost my mic. I dropped my cord there. I was well, laughing so damn hard. <laughs> well, get back in I don't head. want him in my backyard, but, yeah. I mean, come on. There's one needed at the top there. Have you driven that route up to Nashville? I haven't. I, yeah. I, I need to go, though. But yeah. here's the thing, though. They say it's, you know, it was supposed to open the Q1 this year. It's been pushed back. It's been stuck in this legal thing. But it looks like it's happening anyway in New Year's Day 2022. So a win for, for truck parking. And uh, hopefully the community can get over that. I hope so. Big loss in the world of garden gnoming, though. We should have asked our UK guest about this. Has he been trying to get any garden gnomes lately? Because <laughs> uh, apparently there's a big garden gnome shortage. In the past year, gardening, because everyone was locked down. Everyone wants to build their home office and beautify their backyard. So the purchasing of garden gnomes went up 97%. But now if you try to buy a garden gnome over in the UK, apparently they're blaming the Suez Canal. They say all the gnomes are stuck on ships that got, that got stuck up in that. It's going to take you a, a long time to get a garden gnome. Why does it make sense that the garden gnome is a UK thing? Well, I, I the don't... Suez would block more freight going to the UK. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I think that, I you know, maybe so... they, do they consume like the majority of the gnomes and garden gnomes in the, in well, the world? Well, you were talking about like wizards and stuff. Yeah. And just, it seems like they would, right? Gnomish, yes. Yeah. And gnomish people, they are. <laughs> hey, gnomish people. You know what? Gnomes love a clean earth and so do we. So we got a net zero carbon summit coming up tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's already tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah. Today, I'm so excited. They... Your fine friends up here, we're hosting it. We have a full What the Truck from the Floor, Net Zero Carbon Summit, new regulations, public pressure, have fleets and shippers looking for ways to better manage their role in addressing global climate concerns. This happens on Earth Day, which is tomorrow, April 22nd, and there's even a surprise within Sonar. I'm not going to give it away, but there's a surprise within Sonar on how we're using data and technology to address some of these concerns and serve the marketplace as well. Stay yeah. tuned for that one during the show. Um, on What the Truck, we have a full slate of speakers. We're going to be talking to, who do we get over there? Got got Glenn Jones. Yeah. Glenn. <laughs> Glenn Jones, GVP of product strategy at Bloom Global. Daniel Perlmuter, senior vice president of marketing at Bring as well. Yeah. Yeah. And several other. Rick Zulo, co-founder and general partner at Equal Ventures. Steven Cyber, CEO at Transparion. And Jennifer Wong, head of sustainability at Convoy. Wow. 
We're going to have a lot of meat in that segment. Yeah, a lot going absolutely. On. We're going to have a big day, so we're going to have to get ready for it. We're going to start researching all these people to give you guys the best show possible tomorrow. But you go to live.freightwaves.com, register for free. You can win that Cannondale bike. Then when you're there, here's the thing that's not free. F3 is not free. It's an in-person event, but we got a great deal for you. You put in the promo code WTT. You're going to save yourself $200, and you get the cheapest possible ticket because you're going up in May. The ticket price is going up. Pretty significantly in May. So, well, at least $200 because you got to get the what to well, chuck yeah, in. <laughs> now, I'll fight to get you guys another code after that, but yeah, the problem we'll is the base price goes up next month. Yeah, it does. The base price is only going to be this low to the end of the month. As you've heard from every guest on here, everybody's going to be there, and you are somebody, so you will be there. So, you want to get there cheaply. So, go to live.freightways.com. Hit WTT. We'll also be back on Friday. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player of choice or like us on Freightcast. Yes, we can find every single Freightways podcast all in one convenient feed uh download freightways tv app wherever you get apps apple tv beautiful for